to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the quarantine editions. I'm very excited to have on the show with me today, Aaron Smith and Devin Palmer from Cycling Dads Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. And welcome to you, Jason. Hey, Jason. We are doing something a little bit unique and fun here today. We've got a sort of a cross-platform simulcast, if you will. This is going to be going out over the Cycling Dads Podcast airwaves as well. And uh, gentlemen, maybe we can kick off the conversation with a little overview of your show and what it's all about. Aaron, why don't you tell them a little overview of our show, the Cycling Dads podcast? Sure. I would love to do that. Um, So yeah, the Cycling Dads podcast kind of got its start uh, at the, the genesis of which is I purchased a nice microphone for my work from home setup. And then the joke from my coworkers was that I had some podcast going on because I have like the nice microphone and the, and the wind filter. And I was like, you know what? I should have a podcast. Why not? Everyone else is making one. I should totally have a podcast. And then I started a different podcast, which has not seen the light of day yet because I don't like it anymore. Um, but I recorded about 12 episodes of it. <laughs> I've been a guest on this unpublished and podcast. Devin was a guest on, he was my first interview guest on this unpublished podcast. So was he the best part of the podcast, and that's how you invited him to be your co-host? Is that how that happened? Well, we recorded the podcast, and I was like, Devin, we should have a podcast about being cycling dads. And last year, Devin, uh, largely on his own volition, uh, took my image and personality and applied it to a thing called Cool Dads Cycling Club, which is under Devin Palmer Remax Results, founder and president of the Cool Dads Cycling Club. And I was kind of an unwitting accomplice. And we accomplice uh, and co-founder and co-founder. Are you receiving royalties for said involvement? Zero, zero, but I did. But anyway, so, so we did that and, and that kind of showed us that there was this group of dads who ride bikes, who are kind of local, who we happen to know kind of a half each of in the local community. And we kind of brought them together and, and it was clear that there was kind of this desire for that sense of community of, you know, feeling the pain of trying to navigate like target runs to get diapers, but also getting in your three hour ride on a Saturday. And after we did that interview for the other unnamed podcast, Devin and I uh, just kind of banged out our first episode for the cycling dads podcast. And it had a lot of, I mean, people really responded. There was a lot of comments that I wasn't expecting and, and we kind of went from there and just kind of, we were, you know, we're toying with the, what it is and what we're trying to figure out as far as like structure of the podcast but it's just a really fun project and and people seem to like it so we just kind of keep it going and how many episodes have you had so far so we have this monday we'll be publishing our fifth episode great with eric thorner um and that is going it's going to be weird because we'll have more published by the time this one gets published but uh you know we have almost eight in the can uh eight interviews that we've done Nice. And what's the general format? Do you always have a guest? Yeah, we, so we were playing around with the idea of doing like podcast episodes that were just Devin and I, um, called the versus cast. And then we just kind of realized that that's really good as like an intro into an interview. And so our last podcast that we just did with Frank Gay, we kind of just tacked that on the front and then had the interview with Frank. Um, and that's been, yeah, I, I, I think that Every episode is going to have an interview going forward. I don't think we're going to have a lack of dads who like to ride bikes to interview, which is nice. Um, These dads, they can't get enough of talking about their bikes, uh, talking about their experiences. 
We found that the dads have a lot to say, and we've tapped a rich vein of content here. Is that because they finally are getting some adult interaction? Yeah, yeah, but also like I, I feel like as a dad, there's like a solidarity there, like that doesn't get talked about too often. It gets joked about a lot, right? Like home yeah. improvement and all that, but I don't think like the actual reality of trying to maintain a sport that you know is crazy difficult like even being we joke about it a little bit in the last episode of the cast but even being a category five you know you're skipping movie nights with friends you're not eating exactly what you want to eat whenever you want to eat it um i can't get up to any sort of good ranking on call of duty um you know so like i feel like it's a life commitment and then you add the life-changing thing of having kids and boom like you're talking that's a recipe for disaster so i i think it's really just like a positive thing they can they can attach themselves to yeah and and i I am being a child-free person uh don't have the same perspective i certainly recognize the demands that a cycling lifestyle can can put on anybody but then when you compound that with, you know, the needs of multiple other people, small and adults. In the and do you attribute your racing career as a cat one to the fact that you have remained childless? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cat one in, in the post-race uh, activities. Mm-hmm. I'm less cat one mm-hmm. in the actual race. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a cat four license on the track. Um, but I'm a cat five technically on the road, uh, largely because I've never actually ridden in a road race. Not once? Not once. I have mm-hmm. only ever pedaled in anger on the velodrome. You were good on the velodrome, though. I raced against you on the velodrome. I, uh, I always enjoyed our races on the, uh, on the velodrome. And, and, you know, I sort of have this feeling and, and people referred to me and a couple other guys in the cat four as the grandfathers in the peloton largely yeah. because when when you would uh, often have your patented escape in lap two or three of a 10 lap race or a missing out or missing out <laughs> uh, all of the newer riders would immediately think we have to track him down and so it fell to a few of us to sit on the front and say okay fellas let's give it a minute and see how it plays out and uh you know try to maintain some sense of decorum and then a minute later i'd be off the back (laughs) well there were a number of occasions where where you were able to make those attacks stick but uh but there were enough times where we had to sort of you know hold the leash on the rest of the crowd to make sure that there was like i said some decorum in the race yeah that was that was always a ton of fun i i really miss the velodrome i don't know if you've been talking about that on your show at all lately but man that's it's, yeah i i still jones for it you know I, I wake up on thursday mornings still with that phantom you know palm sweat <laughs> thinking about races that was i i spent thursdays for a number of years just basically ignoring any work that i was doing and thinking about what was going to happen on the track that day yep yep me it. too me too and so uh, as you've had guests on the show, what kinds of topics have you discussed? I mean, what have been some of the running themes on your show? The biggest theme that we hit over and over is making it work. You know, because we, you enter parenthood and suddenly have completely new time constraints, um, all kinds of just challenges with, you know, 
metering out your your energy, your time differently, um, especially if I came from a background where I had a lot, a lot of independence, especially in my 20s when I was racing in as, a, as an athlete to coordinate my life around my training and then to deal with the imperfections of life as a dad and some of the instability, instability with your time um, and, and continuing to make it work and continue, continuing to find the why that motivates you to fit it in, uh, even if it's not, you know, not perfect or not what you're used to historically. That's, that's interesting. You know, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, there's the logistics of, okay, can I schedule a Wednesday night, two and a half hour ride, get a few people together, but then there's the, the why, right? So how do you maintain that motivation that was at one point, probably fairly all consuming and, and change that mindset. Yeah. Zwift, Zwift racing, uh, I've brought up on every episode so far i will continue to do so because i am a big proponent of using zwift racing to help correct that imbalance yeah um and i think the other kind of theme alongside you know making it work for yourself is also making it work for your family and our first uh interview episode with david peterson who's a good buddy of mine uh local cyclocross racer um was really all about you know that pendulum swinging and like making it kind of figuring out where it sits with your partner yep and and that's got to be probably the trickiest balance to strike uh especially if you've got you know other folks going hey dude come out and ride yeah it's it's really interesting to see that because i was kind of the first of my friend group to have a kid and then you know i'm not able to go out and you know the expectation is still like okay we're gonna go out on saturday we're gonna do six hours and i'm like i'm not doing that you know i'm yeah. gonna go and do bar and then i'm gonna go to target you know, like that's, that's what's my Saturday is going to be. Um, and so it's, it's definitely interesting to see that, uh, the, the thing that's good for me. And I, I think this is, what's really interesting for me is talking to people like Devin who are coming to this from really high volume training. I've never done well with high volume training. I've always done better with like short bursts of training. So in a way, like I'm, I'm kind of preset for, you know, taking advantage of 30 minutes to an hour that, that you're, that you get as a dad. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really intriguing to me to hear like, how are people dealing with not able to go out on four or six or eight hour training rides, uh, in the early season to build up that base, to really just get out there and kill it as a cat two or a cat one. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, you know, Devin, you've had a pretty big change from being a you know, very elite level triathlete where that was, you know, part of your profession to a much more, you know, recreational, much like the rest of us uh, approach to, to the bike. Do you find that your motivation and enthusiasm for the bike is, has changed as you, as you become a dad? It was a big shift. Um, the big shift for me initially from triathlon to cycling, I really enjoyed just being able to focus on riding. So 2015, I was still racing triathlon. Coming into 2016, I realized it was kind of spring and I hadn't signed up for any triathlons. And I realized there was no gun to my head. There was no contract I had signed. There was no obligation to do that anymore. So in February or March of 2016, I just realized, oh, I'm I'm done with that for now. And I just went on a bunch of group rides. So the social aspects, the easy socialization of cycling uh, was huge for me in my first few years in the sport. And then um, 
yeah, it's been another adjustment uh, period since since we had our kiddo in uh, in 2019, and it's it's I would say it's it's like a lowered level of expectations since um, you know. 2017 2018 2016 i might have you know always been up for a weekend ride three to five hours no big deal um and now summer of 2020 me and aaron are sneaking out and we cap it about an hour you know yeah. if the two of us go out it's it's usually not more than 60 or 70 minutes yeah do you have you have you guys found that your uh, habits or training planning has changed with covid i mean what what was 2020 like for you on the bike outside of being a dad? I mean, how did that affect what you can, what you have been or would have been willing to do on the bike? Um, I think the, the biggest shift is how many more people I had to bring with me on Zwift, <laughs> like how <laughs> the interest of my fellow club members on Birchwood to, you know, doing a group ride on Zwift when it was kind of our only option and we've we've successfully kind of taken the coffee ride, which is an outdoor really ride. And in the winter now, we we have it on Zwift. It's it's you know we have Discord, we talk on Discord, we you know tell jokes, and then uh, you know you're actually just kind of moving around on the screen. But you don't have to be moving that. I mean, you can you'll stay with the group as long as you're doing like 0. 0.2 watts per kilogram. Like like my son can stay with the group, no problem. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that's probably the biggest shift uh, because of the fact that, like Devin was saying, when we were riding before COVID, we weren't going out and doing crazy long rides anyways, which is probably why when I tried to do 121 miles with my boss this last summer, I got absolutely shelled because <laughs> the longest ride I had done up until that point was 30. So it was not a great idea. Yeah, um, tough on the endurance. What about you, Devin? I mean, did you really, did anything change for you in 2020? Aside from texting me like every other day saying, will you ride with me? And then complaining when I would not ride with you. Well, you did not ride with me most of the time. I had a pretty low acceptance rates on those invites. Uh, it, it wasn't a huge change for me because I didn't have any aspirations of serious racing again for 2020. Um, and I also didn't have, you know, there was just no events to do all of a sudden. So it's not like I wasn't training for anything. So it was just well, let's find um, a friend I can trust and do a, you know, just ride um, yeah. kind of w with people one by one, um, which which ended up being just fine. I had a, a cast of about three guys. Um, Not Aaron, me. It, no, we, Aaron came a few <laughs> times. I mean, if Aaron and I hadn't ridden, we would never have uh, schemed up the Cool Dad Cycling Club. Yeah. It, it's interesting. My, my approach to the bike entirely changed in in 2020 i did not go i think i went on one group ride and it was in february oh wow and that was the last time i was on a ride with anybody but my wife and for the most part she rode her new mountain bike and i rode the fat bike and we just explored so we would go for an hour hour and a half and wander around Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it really wasn't, I mean, we would ride hard occasionally, but it was as much about just getting out of the house and getting exercise. Um, but, you know, we were relatively conservative about, about the whole COVID thing. So for me, you know, I haven't really been on skinny tires for a long time. And I'm a little bit afraid I'm going to fall down when I get on it for the first time. 
<laughs> I I can I I share your concern. I for going from the fat bike every season into the road bike. There's always that period of time when you get on the road bike, and yeah. there's a mix of I'm gonna fall over and die, but also <laughs> oh my god, I just put down like the same amount of energy to get to the end of my block, and I'm three miles away. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. So I'm counting on that extra little burst of speed from the you know the improvement on the tire size and the weight of the bike. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to ride by myself for a few rides before I feel good about getting next door to somebody else. So one of the things that we like to do on our podcast, Jason, and, and I think that this is, we, we've discovered a, a, a nerve that we've hit. We've tapped into the nerve of the cycling dad community, which is bike geekery, right? Every yeah. dad loves to spend money on new bike stuff that they don't need. Uh, even non-dads such as yourself. So Jason, what, what is your, we would ask you on our cast, like what, what is the bike that you're currently riding? What is the bike that you're the most stoked on right now? Uh, so that answer changes as I'm sure it does for, for many folks, the most frequent bike that I've been riding the last years, as I mentioned, the fat bike, um, probably my, my favorite all around bike is my twin six rando. Oh. I just love it. I got the steel, the old school steel rando, and I just love it. Um, what color? It's black. It's okay, so you got you got the you got the because they've done now what have they done like Celeste? Yeah, they've um, got a, an olive green, like a camouflage green kind of. They've got they had a bright purple one. Yeah, they've yep. got all kinds of colors. But I'm you know I've, it's got to match with all of my concert t-shirts. <laughs> which are invariably black so i gotta you know i can't have a crazy color because it clashes with the iron baby t-shirt i i get it. so is it flat bar or drop bar there uh, it's drop bar it's a drop bar bike i generally keep the the fenders on the the matching fenders generally stay on um so you know all kinds of gravel are you know not going to get me filthy which is kind of nice smart this uh, is the biggest bunch of hipster malarkey i've ever heard in my life <laughs> Heel is real, man. <laughs> the Twin Six Rando is, uh, if I think about a bike that came from the Minneapolis area that define, like, it's the perfect bike. I, yeah. and I, you know, I love Twin Six to begin with, but uh, they really did nail it with this, with this bike. Bush just yeah. bought one in the school bus yellow that they did. I oh, think they nice. finally, when they made the switch to the through axle. Yep. Mm-hmm. So is yours through axle or is yours? The, no, it's the, the old school. I got one of the what? earliest um, ones that right after they announced it. And of course, within about three months of announcing and me purchasing the steel bike, they announced the, the titanium version. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, seriously? <laughs> well, hold so on now, now Jason. I'm Jason, sorely... can, can you please just go ahead and comment for a moment there on the realness of titanium then? Uh, well, you know, there's there's an evolution, right? So So as I've aged... I've, I've recognized that there is a weight improvement from titanium, and there's also the comfort level that is at least as good as a steel bike with a titanium experience. And so this is getting to my, my third bike that I personally am most excited about, even though I don't take it out of the, out of its, off of its pedestal very often. I, a couple of years ago, got a uh, Colnago CT1 titanium uh carbon blended bike from a friend Ooh. and it's the mo- 
most amazing, beautiful bike in the whole world. <clears throat> it had some uh, structural challenges due to some salt water corrosion on the, the rear triangle. So the dropouts, um, there's a fairly unknown issue with this age of, with this era of bikes, 2008. And they had uh, issues with the adhesive that they used to insert the rear dropouts into the uh, titanium uh, legs, the, the, uh, the stays, and that, that separated the uh, dropouts from the stays. Hmm. So I took it to, I, sh I showed it to uh, Drew from uh, Cyclocarbon, and uh, he said, oh, you, sh you should not be riding this bike. <laughs> no, no, you can't say that to me. I've wanted this bike forever. Not the right and, answer. <laughs> yeah, no. And so I, I turned, turned her over to, to him hmm. and he revolutionized the bike. He found a look bike that had the same stay geometry as my Colnago and he performed major surgery and replaced the rear end of the bike and gave it back to me with, I mean, he, he matched the gorgeous paint job that this thing had. I mean, this is a hand painted wow. stunning bike and he returned it to me uh, in pristine condition. So that's, that's my baby right now. Drew's, Drew's come up on the podcast a couple of times now. He does an amazing work. He does absolutely amazing work. I actually bought my first carbon bike was one of the, um, uh, the old um, Optum team bikes that he had gotten from them and it replaced the forks. And I bought that carbon frame for him from him for like 350 bucks. Hey, Jason. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> is that you? Is that, is that the legacy of, uh, that's me. He got those off of me. Yep. Nice. Yep. Thank from, you. From my days at the racery. Yes. Thank you. I, I still ride. That's actually my trainer bike. Oh, nice. Uh, nice, nice. Oh, oh, that's, that's pretty, it's the repaired carbon bike we've talked about that on an episode i'm i'm a big proponent of it i got i just got one off the street last year nice. had it repaired by appleman not drew yeah um and yeah the the we, we jokingly call it the shelter bike yeah um, totally totally and and both of those guys matt and drew do such amazing work that they're totally i have never felt uncomfortable or nervous on either of those bikes for a minute yeah. they're bulletproof yeah. it's better than buying from a bike farm you know yeah. you know those bikes aren't being treated very <laughs> it's well just a, it's a bike mill i mean yeah you yeah. know you can't there yeah you see those things on the news with the sarah mclaughlin you oh. know sort of thing running through it yeah oh. it, it's it's heartbreaking the short panning shots of like felt <laughs> fr1s Such... looking forlornly through the chain link fence oh. <laughs> just it kills you kills it does. it does i've donated <laughs> <laughs> okay so jason when we look back at 2020 um i'm looking at your calendar and you're a guy your professional life you're involved in a number of different events and i'm mm -hmm. thinking in the cycling world and your professional life um you put on the finest crit weekend we have in the state oh yeah uh, with you. the south side um south side sprint thank you and the event uh, obviously it was not, you know, 2020 panned out the way it did and it yeah. wasn't able to go forward. Talk to us about how you went through the decision-making process, like when you knew you had to pull the plug and what you're thinking about to bring her back for, um, for 2021. I yeah. do, I do want to just make a quick aside. 
Jason Lardy's Criterium events are the most dad-friendly cycling events in the greater Midwest area. Thank you. Right there. I said it. As it's you. true. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I appreciate you saying that. We've, we've always wanted them to be family-friendly and uh, community-friendly um, because we know how much fun they can be. And, and I, it's, it's exciting for me to hear that because one of the things that we like most about the Southside Sprint in particular is the kids fun race that happens between the women's elite race and the men's elite race. Um, and actually that has by far the most number of participants of any of the fields of the day. And when I see a sea of 125 or 150 kids staring back at me and all of them are chomping at the bit to race their bikes, it's alternately the most exciting and terrifying moment of my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, um, obviously no events were, were possible and uh, last year and, you know, we sort of had the decisions taken out of our hands by the city, which is totally fine. The city limited the number of events, uh, the number of participants in any event last year. And so we really had no chance of putting anything meaningful on. And I'm also involved in the uh, Ironman, the Minnesota Ironman bike ride, mm -hmm. which is one of the biggest uh, rides in the state. And of course, that had the same the same challenges. And it was it was heartbreaking to not be able to bring people together for those events when people were so desperate for opportunities to race, opportunities to ride, and opportunities to con to connect with the community that they're a part of. And and so to me, that was really a difficult a difficult thing. Um, at the same time, it gave me a chance to ride my own bike, you know, because <laughs> when I put on those events, I mean, they really are a summer, almost a full year commitment to do some of those things. And they, they often will take me away from my bike more than I would like, because they're kind of my babies, uh, those, those events, but, um, it, it, it's challenging because it doesn't, uh, it, it, without those events, the community, uh, struggles to find time and ways to, to connect. And to me, that's the hardest part. So we're very hopeful um, that we'll be able to, to go again this year. And we've tentatively penciled in the same uh, July weekend, this third Sunday in July, which this year is the 18th. Uh, we're gonna be meeting actually as a, as a group next uh, on Monday to solidify our plans. So we should have some more information by the time this goes out uh, into, the, into the ether. But it's oh, it's tough. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're we're hopeful, but it is you know, last year was a was a very weird year because usually I am at my busiest during the summers, and without the track for the first time, without the Southside Sprint, and without the Ironman, uh, I found myself with more time to ride my own bike, which I guess was silver lining. Well deserved rest for all you do for the local cycling community. It was, it was just the it was meant to be that it's like jason just take a year enjoy riding your bike <laughs> recharge and then come back guns a blazing in 2021 it well thank you it's it's nice of you to say those those things and i'm i'm glad to have had the opportunity to to ride i mean lisa and i got a chance to ride together more than we've ever had um which was a lot of fun and we explored we we made a point of staying away from the parkways you know even though we the end of our block is minaha parkway which is magical in terms of finding a place for a casual ride. Um, we explored all of the uh, bike lanes in and around South Minneapolis. And shockingly, Ro uh, Richfield 
has a vast array of bike lanes striped on the streets. It's, I had no clue. And they've even got separated bike uh, lanes off their, off the street, like on the curb. It's amazing. Their riding in Richfield is really a pleasant experience. It's that's strange because Edina, their neighbor, uh, they're like anti-sidewalk. So like bike yeah. lanes are like a whole other yeah. thing. <laughs> it's 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 kind of amazing. I mean, you hit a hard wall when you get over to Edina from from Richfield, but getting around like 70th and 76th, both have uh, bike lanes that'll take you well out to uh, the to the west. And I I've discovered that if I go south from uh, basically Lake Nokomis down uh, Bloomington Avenue, more or less, you can get to 70th or 76th. That'll take you all the way over to Nine Mile Creek, which is a really fun little bike path. If you've ever had a chance to get over there, um, it's definitely worth making multiple trips toward. And then that takes you up to the Greenway and then you can go all the way along the Greenway back to the river. So you can get a 30 or 40 mile ride in on some pretty nice little paths huh. that are a lot of fun. So I, I'm a big fan of the Nine Mile Creek bike path. It's about a third um, wood. So it goes over marshes in Edina, over toward um, Edina High School in that, in that area and takes you through a few little parks. And it's really a fun ride and it'll take you all the way from basically, basically 70th and uh, Highway 100 all the way up to the Greenway in Hopkins by the depot. That sounds rad. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Now, one of the things that just happened, Jason, and I, I apologize, I'm 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 doing what I normally do on a podcast. Uh, yeah. but I it just popped in my head. Devin and I, our first time on the microphone, I was announcing a race. He was heckling me announcing at a race until he got on the microphone as well. <laughs> you have done a serious. I mean, you are the number, I, I think the most prolific race announcer in the state of Minnesota. Um, and you also got me connected with bird at the, the North star grand prix where mm -hmm. you gave me the uh, amazing opportunity to be absolutely terrified of announcing in front of so many people, a real actual bike race. Um, but it, like announcing a bike race, like what walk us, like how, do you enjoy doing that? Is it is it that different from your your radio show that you've been doing? And and you know what what is that all about, my man? Well, uh, it's a it's a good question, and 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 I think uh, I I love the both of your work on the microphone. I think you know not only on the podcast but on the announcing stand as well. Um, and I thought you did an amazing job, Aaron, at the North Star Grand Prix. It was a lot of fun to hear you as part of the mix uh, there. And I particularly, I can't remember, were you at the top of the hill in Stillwater? You were part of that conversation in Stillwater. And I don't remember if you were at the top of the hill or if you were on the main stage. I was on the main stage with Bird uh, right. and got to hear him just kind of hype everyone up. And it, it was amazing to like, to kind of learn on the job and figure it out as we were going. But yep. compared to the announcing I've done since then, which was like State Cross and Green Acres kind of solidly every year. Uh, getting me in trouble with with my wife for abandoning her on two weekends in fall um that it's it's so it's so different i mean that was such a such a production and uh it's just kind of thinking about it you know and just we can edit this all out this is purely just my question i really wanted to, to talk to you about announcing and i've been I, wanting to ask know, that I, I really enjoy 
that part of the, the events um, in, you know, I have a big mouth to begin with. So, you know, words come out regardless of whether that they're planned or otherwise. Um, but, you know, I learned a ton from people like Bird and Bob Williams. You know, mm -hmm. I learned a ton about how to recognize what's happening in a race and how to make it somewhat interesting for the audience uh, to recognize. And I think, especially for an audience that's not very familiar with bike racing, and a lot of times the people who came to watch racing at the track or people who come from the community to watch the Southside Sprint, for example, don't really understand what is happening on the road. I mean, they see a flash of color fly by every minute and a half or so, and they kind of go, oh, well, that person is on the front. That, that must be the leader of the bike, and that's not always of the race, and that's not always the case. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the field that may or may not be affecting what that person is doing. So a great example is like team tactics and how people are, are approaching those things. So I, I like the, having the opportunity to sort of help people understand the sport so that they become more fans and more deeply engaged in the, in the, in the sport. It is so counterintuitive on, on a basic level. If you're in first in cycling, usually you're not the winner. You know? <laughs> That's right. Like you're the only moment that it matters to be first is at the finish line itself. Yep. And I think you're, you've touched on something there because it can be such intense inside baseball if you were just speaking to the really dialed in cycling fan, of which there are almost none, you know, at the Southside Sprint or at a North Star, the general public is like, what are you talking about? What? Yeah. So if you can break it down to a level that's um, just a little more informative and kind of helps people engage with what's happening on the road, mm -hmm. it's a tremendous skill. Yeah. And, and with the crit, it's kind of interesting because you've got a little time to have that conversation with, with the crowd. You know, you see what's happening come by and it's all of 15 seconds while that's happening. Then they're gone for a minute or a minute and a half. You've got a chance to break down what just took place right in front of people and give them a sense of, okay, well, if that happened now, based on where we are in the race, what's likely to happen next? And then you can kind of set that up and people can get a chance to understand how things might be changing on the backside of the course or within that peloton, you know, especially if you see somebody make a breakaway, that's a great opportunity to say, okay, well, we're two laps from the finish. That person has got a block between him or her and the rest of the field. What's going to have to happen for somebody in the field to bring that, that person back, or is it too late? And what are the dynamics that are playing out with teams chasing that person down? Is the rest of the team blocking the rest of the field from coming through? You know, what are the, what are the mechanisms that are going to let, that are going to change that, that outcome? So to me, that's really fun, being able to help people get excited about the sport that we all love um, and kind of understand from inside the fence. I have uh, uh, very many vivid memories of you doing the breakaway countdown uh with friends like Heidi who won uh, uh mm -hmm. Southside Sprint one year um and just in the exact same way went off three laps to go yep. stayed away till the end yeah it, it's uh yeah I that plays in my head every once in a while I <laughs> I remember that that's a that's a particularly satisfying experience and especially what Heidi what Heidi did mm -hmm. um because 
you're really sort of rooting for the underdog. I mean, somebody may be out there strong and, and Colton Barrett did it once he went off early and nobody ever found him again, but in a situation like that, where it's so tenuous, the lead mm-hmm. and every lap matters. It really is fun to be able to cheer for somebody who's, you know, escaping the, the baying hounds behind yep. them. Yep. So the aspect of race announcing, especially, you know, if you're doing Tuesday night worlds um, or, you know, the local, you know, a local race like the cyclocross that you've done, Aaron, or Southside, you have to know who people are. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point in triathlon, the last few years I was in triathlon, I was looking for various other ways to enjoy the sport or engage with the sport or even just to promote myself, my sponsors. Um, so I got into race announcing a little bit in triathlon on my way out the door. So for a few years, I did race announce a few of the smaller local events. And it was, I was emboldened to do it in that venue because I knew enough people up and down the, the fast to slow spectrum you know, all different age, you know, I knew all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I would, I was confident I could call out like, Oh, Hey, here comes Jim. And Oh, he, yeah. you know, here comes Barb coming across the finish line. Um, but you, I would say both of you have a deeper knowledge of all the local folks. Maybe not you, Aaron, um, Aaron, not anymore <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of green acres. When, when green acres decided to can it, I was like, you know what? It's to the point now where I have to spend a lot of time looking at the sheet. And I do, you get to know people through race announcing, but um, to, to wit, what I was going to say is Emily Good. She's gotten on the microphone a number of times um, and she's just spectacular because she's been head ref and head judge for so many of the races mm. and also has handled the upgrades. So not only does she know the names and how to pronounce them, very key, uh, she also just has like intimate knowledge of like where they are at in the USAC standings and so, you know, it's been, there's been a couple of times now where I've been asked to do something like that. And I've reached out, uh, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get that kind of off my plate. So Aaron, are we, are we going to start selling our services as race? Maybe not race announcers, but maybe race commentators. I don't know, man, <laughs> let's stick with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having had enough experience now to, to know, what what it takes and and the financial the remuneration that comes from announcing bike races <laughs> i would counsel against it <laughs> I, I i think it's it's a really nice thing to do if you can make a place more fun yeah like yeah if you can yes if you can be comfortable getting paid in fun yep. there's a lot of fun dollars to be had yep in, in race announcing <laughs> and free t-shirts <laughs> that's right that's exactly right yep you know and and the the preparation is a big deal right so even if you don't know everyone who's involved uh even knowing where they stand in the the rider of the year rankings for example and knowing what they did in the most recent races so you can comment on that part that's a big deal too because that's the stuff that adds a little bit more depth you know, where you can say, hey, there's a real competition here in the rider of the year standings. Who's going to step up and try to make a change? Or can they do enough in the race to actually solidify a, a position? That's that? what was nice about both Green Acres and State Cross is day one, I could spend it trying to pronounce people's names. And <laughs> day two, I could spend it saying like, well, this is what they did day one. And yeah. that was... <laughs> That was yeah. really all I had to do. 
Um, but a single day race, you really have to have an understanding of like how they fit into that. Um, yeah. And it could just be a, sim- you know, you're really telling a story, right? You're trying yeah. to figure out who is this person? What are they doing that is getting everyone excited? And how does it relate to either the race or the venue or the people in the crowd? And then that kind of connection is how, how at least that's how I did it to try and get people engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, I found uh, over the last few years too, that it's really fun to have someone else with you on the microphone. Yes. Uh, you know, I've had uh, Risa Husted and Lyle on the mic. Uh, John Dunn has popped up. Bob Williams has been up uh, with me a few times. And, and that's really fun because they bring a different perspective. They bring a different recognition of what's happening in a given race. And uh, it gives you a chance to actually stop talking for a minute too, which despite all appearances that everyone might have or perceptions of me, it is okay if I don't talk once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so nice too, because one of the issues I had the first year I, I announced Green Acres Uh, I literally yelled my voice raw. I could, I had such a hard time announcing the next day because I just did not modulate my voice at all. I was screaming in the microphone all day long for 10 hours. Um, If I did announce again, I I would want it to be with one of you two. I I would not want to do it by myself. That's for sure. It's, it's a lot. And I've every, every Monday following Southside in particular, I, uh, I end up in that same, same boat. A lot of Ricola popping those. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed, as you're returning hay bales and fencing and everything else that goes on in Mondays, you know, following the race. <laughs> okay, just pulling back the curtain a little bit. Yep. I, I know you wanted to talk about music. I feel like we've done you a disservice. Thank you for indulging my questions, though. If you if you want to keep that in or not, you know, that's entirely up to you. But um, how, do you, how do you want us to get us back on track? <laughs> or how, are, how are we doing well, for you? I am totally happy with a free-form conversation. This has been a lot of fun, and I think you know, this is the kind of flavor that helps people appreciate what you guys are doing on your show. And so I think this has been a valuable conversation, but, you know, because there is a blast beats component to my show, in addition to the bicycle component, um, I love to hear what brings people joy and, and entertainment musically as well. And, you know, in this instance, hype music for the bike is kind of a natural subject. So, do you guys listen to music when you're on the bike? Absolutely not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> you can't thank you enough for all the time. <laughs> no, I, Dev, why don't, why don't you go first? I've, yeah, Dev, you go first. What, what do you listen to? Uh, I have a few different playlists, um, all hype stuff just to get me through the indoor times. Um, so I have a very short amount of music or yeah, in my actual iTunes that I've actually purchased very small amount. Um, sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll do Spotify, but Spotify plays an ad every 10 minutes and I don't want to pay for the premium. So I got off Spotify. So now I'm using YouTube. And I just have a little watch later list of all my dumb music videos that get me hyped up. So <laughs> I, I, I use it pretty at a pretty elementary level to uh i i don't know if you can even say it really it helps you pass the time as you're enduring discomfort during uh during a session on the trainer what is this i'm really curious devin and i'm i'm gonna go to and then jason i want to hear yours too okay but what well, what is the I one did intervals today okay so no here we're... 
Yep. Don't well, do the thing what? that you do when you send me a video of you going through your intervals, showing off how much faster you are than me. Those are, <laughs> hey, those are private messages. <laughs> Wow. No, this Jason. is a family. This is a family. <laughs> While there's no video to be had, I, I think we're in a delicate area here. So Jason, just just a quick interjection here. After every I do three set I do four rides a week, three of them are sessions. Okay. After each of the sessions, because I'm not on Strava, so Aaron is not privy to my watts via Strava or Zwift, we're not Zwifting together, but I do want him to know what's coming. <laughs> okay the pain that's coming i figure it's a good you know between us and our relationship is obviously very important to both of us so i want him to know how bad it's going to be when we go and ride so i'll record about a 10 second video scrolling through the laps on my garmin explaining 10 minute warm-up blah 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 minutes at and so he just sees the watts for the various intervals that i'm doing so he knows 10 minute warm-up five minutes easy five minutes hard 10 minute warm up. <laughs> Five minutes he noted <laughs> he noted on the audio quality usually i do these like right after so i'm very out of breath yeah. sound very 10 minute warm up <laughs> 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 this is what it sounds like in the pain cave no so aaron to to answer your question my number one my go-to okay when it's the last interval when i really have to summon all of the strength, all of my sisu, put everything into this effort. <laughs> Avenge sevenfold hail to the king. Of course. <laughs> I've watched that stupid music video so many times. <laughs> I'm as basic as you can be. <laughs> Avenged sevenfold hail yeah. to the king. Nice. I I've switched a number of times. There were when when I'm lifting. Surprisingly, Aaron, let me just. I'm looking at your glasses and your hat. I'm gonna guess that you get hyped on Death Cab for Cutie. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say that. <laughs> no, that's sad boy music, and I'm not not a sad boy when I'm on my bike. I'm happy boy when I'm on my bike. Um, I did for a time. I was listening to uh like life coach podcasts for doctors. When I was lifting and training, it worked for me. I don't know why. But my current track that like gets me hyped every time is Thank You for the Venom by My Chemical Romance. Every other 30 to 35-year-old male, yes, it is the same song you are listening to on repeat when you're lifting 15-pound dumbbells and doing curls for the girls. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for the venom. So, Jason, what's yours? Well, and, and yes, also very basic. So, Jason, yeah. what... So, uh, you know, my uh, go-to music, as you might imagine, is, is metal. Uh, hard rock and metal are the, are the core of the things that I listen to, um, partially because there needs to be some aggression and partially because it usually has pretty high BPM. So that motivates me to turn the cranks over a little bit more rapidly. Um, my favorite song of any kind for the bike is Ace of Spades by Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the same length as a 10 or 15 lap scratch race at the track, which makes it perfect. And those are the kinds of things that get me, get me super hyped. You know, I've always been much more of a sprinter than an endurance person. And so I like the pain in a very short burst and the endurance, the, the suffering is not something that I can do all that well. So for me, a song like Ace of Spades is about two and a half minutes long and just mind-blowingly aggressive is just about perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel my my playlists when I'm working out is, is it'll usually be those short blasts of aggression. And uh, yeah, I don't yeah. tend to listen while I'm out on the road, though. Right. Occasionally, I'll have one ear one earphone in if I'm riding by myself. But, you know, being able to hear the hear traffic is, seems like a generally good idea on the bike. So I tend not to have more than one ear tuned to, to music at a time. I I only do earbud, one earbud in on the bike. If I'm doing back in the day before I had any sort of responsibility at all, and I would ride from here to Hutch and back. So it's like 70 miles one way yep. and then 70 miles another way. And then it's like, there's no climb. There's no hill. It's literally flat as hell. There's nothing to look at. I need something to yeah. like keep myself sane. Um, but a- around here, you know, if I'm riding outside, I'm usually either it's under an hour and I don't need it or it's, you know, with someone else and I don't want to be ignoring them. I do have so many memories of riding though with those dumb white earbuds, one hanging out of the, the side of the helmet with Brandon Krawcheck. I... <laughs> Brandon is a shared friend of Devin and I's. Uh, everyone who races locally probably knows Brandon. He's now gone, but so many rides where he would just show up with a, a, a beer in his back pocket and that little earbud hanging out and, you know, probably death cap for cutie playing. Let's be honest. Devin. <laughs> you know, getting back to the, 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 you know, sort of disparagement that Devin had for us at the beginning of the conversation about being hipster in our approach. Um, I have thought about getting one of those clip on external Bluetooth speakers. Those are very, very hip. Yeah. It feels like it might be a bridge too far though. No, what what is it like Boombotics? Wasn't that the big one that like sponsored every alley cat from here to Timbuktu for a while and then completely went away? Yep. They fit perfectly on the strap of your messenger bag. Yes. Yes. (laughs) On, on the repurposed, uh, car seatbelt. That's exactly right. <laughs> Indeed. Well, gentlemen, this has been a ton of fun. We've been uh, we've been going at it for I don't know, forty-five minutes or so. This has been a really good conversation. Oh so, wow! Jason, Feels like five. <laughs> Jason, Aaron, and I—the real reason we came on today is actually to talk to you um, about the features and benefits of becoming a father. So if, if we're, we're just going to go down the list now, um, no. review some of that for you to no, try and convert no. Yeah, no, I'm, lifestyle. I'm, I'm curious because I've always sort of thought of it as a bug, not a feature, but there's zero. <laughs> the, you know, the things that I've come up with and, and you're probably not quite at this, at this age yet with your kids, but, um, manual labor seems like a pretty important feature of, of kids, like cutting the grass and shoveling the sidewalk seem like those would be worthwhile benefits. My son can literally push me over. He's that strong and he won't clothe himself. So I, I, I'm a decade out from mowing the lawn at least. It, it sounds like you just need to get a shorter lawnmower because he's got the capability. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah, so that's that's what I've gathered. I mean, there are, I'm sure there are other benefits, but I'm you know not familiar. Jason, I think your work uh, in supporting uh, uh, dads all across the Midwest, uh, we we would we would provide you with an honorary membership. Um, <laughs> it would be Thank it you. would be my honor to to welcome you into the Cool Dad Cycling Club. 
there is there is probably something small that you've taken care of and 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 brought up in the world. And Jason, I would just like to say that um, I really what Aaron has just said to you is true. And Aaron, as co-founder, does have a lot of sway in the club. However, there may be a touch of red tape. It's me. This is me, Devin Palmer, Remax Results, speaking as the actual president of the club uh, and founder that there may be a touch of red tape before we do accept you. So consider yourself, you know, uh, probationary pending Excellent. honorary member. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the honor to even be considered as a, <laughs> I mean, to me, that that's, that's an achievement in and of itself. The, and I'm, I'm more than willing to go through whatever initiation process is required for said uh, membership. So I welcome the opportunity to to meet the the approval of the the monitoring the the committee that's selection committee yes yeah the selection committee that's what I'm looking for I think the only thing that might happen is you'll start getting these weird uh, uh, videos of uh, Watts <laughs> on a Garmin <laughs> with the breathy voice behind it well if if those you know because vaccines are coming and you know cases are going down if if those texts came along with texts that invited me on the occasional pool dads club rides i could be up for getting the occasional weird watts watching All right, gentlemen, thank you again for being on the show. This is great. I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing your upcoming episodes, in particular, uh, hearing your interview with Eric. I saw that uh, teased on, on Facebook earlier today, and uh, Eric's been a good friend of the Southside Sprint. They, he and uh, Heather were our medical directors for the first, I think, half of our existence and were generous with their time. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Ferner family. Yeah, Eric's thank such a great guy. It was so good to good to have him on. But thank you, Jason. It, this thank was a lot of fun. Thanks, Jason.